Hello, everyone, and welcome to our special 2021 Easter edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro, and I am Billy Chan. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Happy Easter. <laughs> Happy Easter to everyone. Easter. I wanted to start before uh, um, before we we uh, we got into the Easter stuff because there's lots of Hallelujah ness happening. Yeah. But last last week we, you were going to tell us whether you got palms on Palm Sunday. Did you get palms? Oh yes. Really? You know, I was just so excited when we get into the church because everyone need to register, right? You need to check if you yes. have registered. You need to check your name. Did you get your tickets? Mm. And then there were there was a lady just brought me the 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 palm leaves. I was say I was like, "Wow, thank you very much." I I, I was just so so excited. So when everybody I got a palm. We gave out palms, but on the way out, which was a little strange, but at least people were happy that they got their palms. Yeah, you know, uh, we are we are very happy. And I can see a lot of parishioners taking pictures of the palm. You can see mm, how, yes. yeah, you can see how much joy when we see that. And it's all, again, it's because of last year, we didn't have it. Yeah, I know. This year we have it and. I yeah, know, I know. I sometimes think that people think that, you know, more people go to church on Palm Sunday and Ash Wednesday than they go on Easter Sunday, as if the palms were more important than the Eucharist. But, <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, yeah, Good Friday, everybody wants to go to church on Good Friday, which is good, but then they don't go on Sunday. Um, I don't get it. Anyway, um, Holy Week was weird because, you know, there's no foot washing and no venerating the cross and uh for those who listened to last week's show then you should do your foot washing oh, at yes. home <laughs> so if you if you didn't do the foot washing on holy thursday you can still do the foot washing anytime um and i started telling everybody i know about that do the yeah, foot washing too. especially for marriages if you're getting married do the do the foot washing um, yeah yeah that that's very beautiful when i just think about that it's already, I, I can feel how, how it feel. Yes, already. I know. Yeah. Okay, good. So um, lots happening in the show today. We're, we're going to do what we, what we do every year, Billy. We're joined by all our contributors and, and everybody's going to share something about Easter for this segment. So we're going to start off with you, Billy. You have a question. Yes, uh, I have a question. I have a question. Very, very tough question. Okay, so a question, I guess it's about Easter or something like that. A question for dummies. So that's yeah. coming up in, in, in like five minutes. And then and then after Billy, Jillian's going to be here. She'll tell us what she learned from her kids. Um, and then uh, after that, Danny Torquia will be here to tell us how he's rearing his rebels, teaching them marketing. Um, and then in our second half hour, our Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews, will tell us what's good in Hollywood. And then Sister Marie Paul Curley will be here with Windows to the Soul. And she's actually looking at some of the movies that have been nominated for Best Pictures for the Oscars, because that's coming up. Oh. And, uh, and I'm pretty sure that she's probably going to find some Easter connection. So that'll be at the end of the show. I hope people can uh, stick around. And we're going to listen to music from some of the artists that we've featured recently on the show. So, so there's going to be a little bit of everything for everybody. Wow, very nice. There will be a lot of people. You can hear a lot of different voices. Yes, That's lots of different amazing. voices. Uh, <laughs> packed show today. So I hope people can uh, sit back, relax, enjoy the program if you're driving. You can relax. Don't close your eyes because you're driving. <laughs> but, but if you're not driving, you can sit back and close your eyes and, exactly. and relax. Okay. So all that coming up. But now it's time for 
Church for Dummies with Billy Chan. I like that. I replaced the music. <laughs> well, we're going to have a song after 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 this segment. Um, so you haven't quite replaced the music, but um, you know, I'm uh, just so question? proud of myself. Okay, so uh, the question this time is very tough. It's asked by uh, somebody that really uh, uh, she has been asking me this question for a long time, mm-hmm. and I still cannot give her the best answer. I I hope you can give me the the the, the a good answer. Okay. Now, so. Uh, my friend said, "God is love, right?" Mm-hmm. No, everyone will say yes. You know, when yes. you heard about this, it sounds like you are you you are going to f- fall into a hole, something like that. But anyway, so <laughs> so, and if God is love, does God also love Satan? Oh wow, that is a good yeah. question. That's a very good question, and I think that I, I think that you, the first thing you said is correct. I mean, if God is love, then yeah. God cannot do anything but love. Yes, so, so you go- cannot hate anything. God so, exactly. cannot so, hate anything. Yes, right. So so God is it is impossible for God to not love. So I would say that based on that and that is doctrine. So God is love, God loves everything. Does that mean that God loves Satan? We can conclude that he, that he does. God yeah. loves Satan because if God did not love Satan, Satan would not exist. So now, no deacon, you are going to f- you're, you're falling into a deeper hole, okay? So I, now the follow-up question is this. Yes. If God loves Satan, and why does God not provide a peaceful way to because, solve the problem? So, so yes. the problem is Satan and God, I, we, will, yes. we will imagine that they are fighting. Yes. I mean, we, we are fighting to Satan as well, right? Yes. Every day we got temptation, just like that's why we have, we need to fast, right? During mm-hmm. the 14, mm-hmm. you know, the 14 days, not 14 days. Yeah. 40. You know, yes. yeah, for, for yeah, 40 days. <laughs> we need to fast. We need to to pray to avoid temptation, right? Yes. So we are fighting with Satan, but so the question is this. Uh, what is why God do not provide a yeah, I, I, and, and of course, I'm going to say that that I don't know, but I I can tell you what I what I think and I think that this is based on what the church teaches. Um, so what you're really asking is it's a question about the nature of evil. Um, so, so Satan exists because God loves everything into existence and God continues keeping everything in existence through his love. So that's why we can say that God loves Satan because if he didn't love Satan, Satan would not exist. Yes. Now, do you remember a few, maybe it was last year when we were talking about purgatory and we spoke about how once you're in purgatory, you yes. can't you cannot pray for yourself you can pray for others but you cannot Correct. pray for yourself and that's because after death after physical death all the decisions that you made in terms of whether you accept god or deny god cannot be changed yes that is why the fallen angels cannot change their minds they've already made their choice and once it's made it's done we human beings in this life we can change our minds but after death, so that I honestly don't know where that teaching Come comes from, from but mm-hmm. I think that that mm-hmm. is correct. Well, that's what the church teaches. So at the moment of choosing, Satan could have chosen, but once he's made his choice, he's not able to change that choice. And that is permanent. So God doesn't matter what God does, th- that cannot change. If that could change, then I'm sure that, you know, if, if Satan would, would turn 
turn away from sin and accept God, then God would, you know, there would be no problem, as you said it. So that's what I would say, that it's not that God doesn't want to uh, do something to fix, quote unquote, the situation, is that it's impossible because Satan has already made his choice and that choice is permanent, is eternal. Okay, so yeah, again, you know, I cannot find uh, anywhere that teach this uh, uh, in in Bible or even no, in, no, I cannot find anywhere. But the thing is that I, I heard another version about that. I heard about a version that is, it's all because of uh, angel knows everything already. That's why they can make the choice. Yes, it's so, possible. It's possible. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, that, you know, that makes sense. Yes, because they they already see it. They already they they have already seen God is good, God is perfect, right. and God is love. They already know it, right? Right. right. So they can't. So there's the no beginning. reason why they would change their mind as they learn more things because they already know everything. So their their choice is is eternal. That makes sense. That makes that makes perfect sense. Now we believe that God can do anything, but God cannot do something that is Im- impossible. So like. God cannot make a square. God cannot make a circle that has four angles because that's impossible. Right. So in that sense, if you think about it that way, then can God make Satan turn his ways? No, because Satan had free will and he made his choice and the choice is, is, is eternal. Yeah. So, you know, when I talk about that and when I think when, when everyone heard about this, we will feel sad. Yes. Right. Because yes. The, yes. The, the the most precious thing yes. that as a human is we still have a choice. We still have a choice to to make to follow Jesus to be uh, to 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 go to heaven. We still have a choice to do that. But you know, Satan doesn't have a choice anymore. No, you're right, and it is very sad. And I actually meditate on that often. That I that I know that God would do everything that He could to to make things different but you're right and i think the message for us is that we do have a choice and and i think that we should that's what we should leave and that's an easter message we have a choice that's why jesus died and destroyed death so that we could go home and be with him in heaven forever um so that's it and god loves us because he can't not love us so that's all good to remember billy thank you good easter question Thank you, Pedro. Happy Easter, everyone. (laughs) Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Billy Chan, the webmaster at SLmedia.org. You can follow him at Chan. Coming up is what I learned from my kids with Jillian Cantor. But first, here's here's the song, Billy. Here's (laughs) the Vigil Project with Hosanna featuring Andrea Thomas.
God has called His one begotten Son, setting us free and breaking the chains of the world. We lift our hands in praise, every heart proclaims, blessed is He who comes in the name of the That was The Visual Project with Hosanna, featuring Andrea Thomas. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is a special Easter edition of the Salt and Light Hour. You can learn more about Salt and Light at eselmedia.org. Now it's time for What I Learned From My Kids with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, welcome. I think we can say Happy Easter. Happy Easter. (laughs) We'll praise over here. You know, Clara has spent the last 40 days telling people, don't say it don't say the A word. And she talks about it quite frequently, this A word. And I was thinking, gosh, if she's saying that at school, her teachers are probably wondering, what kind of language do the characters use at home? She's very, she's been on high alert. Like, sometimes I want to say it, she says. I try really hard not to say the A word. Like, okay, good. <laughs> you just keep the A word to yourself. <laughs> so, yeah, but now we can just let it loose. Woo. We can let it loose. Woohoo, hallelujah. There you go. Yeah, can't praise God during Lent. (laughs) (laughs) Clara will get you very strict about it. Yes. So what did you learn from your kids this Easter or for Easter? So it was my son, Joseph, um, during Lent, who gave me a kick in the pants uh, and taught me a little bit of a lesson. It was on one particularly nice Sunday afternoon. He and I went for a walk around the block. um, And I always like to pay attention to which houses are for sale. Um, I suffer from a bit of yard envy. Uh, I like a big yard. And in our area of Ontario, um, yards are characteristically tiny, postage stamp tiny. Um, One of the reasons that we bought the house that we presently live in is because we fell in love with the size of the yard. Compared to the other houses in the town, it was quite big. 
but still I grew up on a farm. So mm-hmm. my expectations for what a yard should be are a lot higher <laughs> than what city folk are used to. So if you can just run around in all directions, well, then that's the yard for me. So, yeah, so we do have a nice yard, but I'm always looking for something just a little bit bigger and a little bit better. And on this one walk, we happened to pass by a house that was for sale and the yard backs on to a trail and it kind of into a ravine area. And so I had said to Joseph, oh, when I get home, remind me, I'm going to look up that house. I want to see, <laughs> I want to see what that yard is like. And Joseph said, well, why? And I said, well, imagine that, like, imagine you could just go play in the backyard and then you just hop over the fence and then you've got the trail system. You could ride your bikes. Wouldn't that be awesome? Like there'd be so much space. And you continue to just quizzically say, why? I like our yard. I like our house. And I'm like, well, don't you find it a bit small? No, it's, I like it. And so I realized in that moment, he was teaching me just the same thing that I try to teach the kids all the time. Like count your blessings, be happy with what you have. Um, in some respects, rejoice, rejoice with what you have. He was appreciating the things that I couldn't see. I was just constantly looking for the bigger and the better, mm. but he was enjoying the comfort of the house and the yard that we have now. Um, and so I just was glad for that. I was satisfied in that moment and we just continued our walk. Still, I was like, mentally, I'm going <laughs> to check that yard out. When <laughs> I look that listing up when we get home, but I'm not going to talk about it anymore. <laughs> But how that plays into the bigger picture, like I said, it's not, this is not a revolutionary message. This is, it is, it's a count your blessings. It's a be grateful for what you have. Mm -hmm. But why it was important to me at that time during Lent was because here we are in Lent, we're approaching Easter. And as always, I feel like I'm failing. Who among us can ever get to Easter and say, oh, I had a perfect Lent. Everything I planned to do, but just tickety-boo. And I'm that much closer to God. Yes, that's the goal. And yes, even if we have had some troubles and failings in our Lent, hopefully, yes, we can still say at the end of it, I feel this much closer to God. But I was in the middle of kind of a funk where I was just like, it's not working. The things that every Lent this happens, every Lent I say I'm going to do better. And every Lent I feel like I'm just falling and I'm not meeting up to the expectations and the standards that I have set for, for myself. But what Joseph said kind of prompted that idea of, well, rejoice with what you have. What you have is 40 days to look at yourself, to work on your relationship with God, to read the gospels with fresh eyes, and just try to find God where you're at. So it may not be perfect. Maybe I did eat a chip when I said I wasn't going to snack. Maybe I did lose focus when I was praying my rosary, when I said that that's what I was going to work on. But with rejoice with what we have, with that mentality, we look at, you know, the Easter story is the same regardless, whether I ate that chip or whether I lost focus during the rosary, Jesus still wins. Jesus wins us our salvation. He, with his mercy and his love and compassion, he dies on that cross and saves us from our sin. That does not change. That's what we have. That's Mm -hmm. the story that we have. And we have this privilege of now beginning again every morning, even though we might have failed or fallen the day before, every morning because of that salvation, because of that love and because of that compassion, we get to get up and start again. That is what we have. And so that is what I will rejoice with. I will rejoice at what I have and not mourn over what I feel like I should have been doing or didn't do. I'll just keep on rejoicing. Hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And uh, you can always come and uh, bring your kids to my backyard. Yeah, your backyard. (laughs) I do have let it be known 
This is an invitation to anyone listening. Pedro has a great backyard and you are welcome to it. Yes, nice big backyard and a ravine behind it and a forest. Um, <laughs> I don't own the forest, but it's uh, pretty much free for all. You can run in all directions. Well, thank you. I like that uh, lesson and uh, happy Easter to you and, and uh, the family. Thank you very much. And same to you and all of yours. I hope there's much rejoicing as you run around your backyard. Much rejoicing and no regretting. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Alleluia. Jillian Cantor. She's the producer of the Salt and Light TV program, Mothering Full of Grace. She's the writer of A Woman's Voice and the wife of David and the mother of Joseph, Henry, Annie, Clara, Jane, and Leo. Coming up is Roma Downey of Touched by an Angel, and she's going to tell us about her book, Box of Butterflies. So don't go anywhere. I'm Sister Marie Paul Curley of the Daughters of St. Paul, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. You can contact me via Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Deacon Pedro. Now it's time for Rearing Rebels with Danny Torquia. Danny, welcome back. Happy Thanks, Easter. You Happy too. Easter. Yeah. Awesome. It's a wonderful time of the year. It is a wonderful time of the year. It's the, the height. I think a lot of people always say that, that this is their favorite uh, season of the church. And it's that makes sense because it's the most it important one anyway. <laughs> it is. It's so rich. It's a great time to talk to your kids about uh, the faith uh, and uh, yes. hike, you know, hike it up a bit. Yes, and lots of good movies and stuff to watch and um, and lots of opportunities for eating together. So I know that you want to talk about something that has to do with food. Yeah, well, you know, Rearing Rebels, another element uh, of, um, you know, that's powerful in marketing and communications is, you know, when you have a captive audience, uh, as a marketer, you want to try to find those moments where you have a, a heightened um an heightened element of concentration or interest or vulnerability. And I got to say, you know, people are hungry, right? People are hungry. People need, you know, according to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, people are really need food Mm -hmm. and drink. And so I don't mean to be manipulative over my kids, but I have them multiple times a day, you know, salivating, waiting on bated breath for the hot dogs <laughs> or the spaghetti. And so why not use that captive moment right. to, to work with your spouse and your home, uh, the other adults, to speak to the kids about faith and food. It goes, obviously it goes very well together sacramentally in the Eucharist and mimicking yeah, the mass, yeah, but yeah. it's a great time. So I would love to talk to you, Deacon, about how, what we do in the Torquia home to uh, nail, hit our kids up with the faith over dinner. Okay. No, good. Yeah. Tell us, tell us. I thought, I thought, you know, also a lot of parents talk about talking with your kids while they're in the car. Cause that's a cap. I mean, in a way it's a captive audience cause they can't go anywhere, but maybe if they're hungry, they're a little more captive cause they know that they're going to get something that they want. Well, you know, the fun thing is that they're hu- at the beginning of the dinner part, they're hungry. And then at the end, they're, they're kind of not eager to put away their dishes or they're not eager to go and, you know, tidy up the kitchen. A couple of chores here and there is not a bad thing. So we kind of have them in this. For us, it's 15 minutes. We're very realistic. If we get a 15 minute dinner, you know, and we're not talking here Thanksgiving or Easter dinner here. We're talking normal yeah. Monday night. Mm-hmm. 15 minutes is the minimum. Um, but so we do grace, of course, but but we we don't we do a, a creative grace and a, we we vary things up. 
But, but what I like to do is at the end of the meal, we always talk about, we have some kind of regimen. So it could be we're doing a, um, some kind of um, spiritual exercises on, you know, f- focusing on our mortality during Lent, or we're reading from the patristic old desert fathers and early Christian w- witnesses or other nuggets Really? But we really do speak to them, and, 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 and that's one thing. And we obviously try to listen to their problems in the middle, but we end with some, some, um, some important uh, catechesis in a different way. So let me interrupt. So you actually would read like a, something from a patristics or, or, or a church document, like a, yes. n- not a whole document, obviously, a little quote. A little quote. And if we have nothing, we'll read the Bible, which is obviously, the, let's start with the Bible. But we, we, ha- we vary it up so that they don't know what to expect. And, and, and the cool thing is that, you know, we, kids want missions. Kids mm-hmm. want to yes. be, um, you know, they want to believe that they can be a, a little hero. Um, in my day, I wanted to be a G.I. Joe. Uh, mm-hmm. and I don't want to mm-hmm. condone violence, but they want a mission. Yes, yes. So, so we, we challenge them as they go from the dinner table to take what they've learned from a David and Goliath story or from a story of something else, some saint, and then try to apply it in their classroom or with their neighbor and look for areas where they can use their spiritual muscles to help the world. I like that. So do you, it sounds like you have to prepare. Do you have like a, 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 I think some, some, some families have found like a box of, of cue cards and the cue cards have the quote. Do you actually sit with your wife and you kind of like, what are we going to read tonight? No, no. We, you know what? I love winging it. I love that expression, you know, skate. Yes, skate, yes. And we wing it. Really? And, and yeah, we totally wing it. But, but we, you know, it's good to have two people. So I, I know yes. that I'm, it's important to also, if your wife or your spouse doesn't really uh, feel it mm-hmm. and doesn't have the talent or the mindset to do it with you, you know, this, I think there's a way to discuss these, these topics of faith, but from a virtue perspective or from mm-hmm. a, not only virtue, but the fact that we're in this, together this game of life and i like talking to kids about the issues of life death or not vulnerabilities pornography yes yes, you know, yes illness yes. illness and and breakups so i think even if your spouse is not particularly religious or practicing the reality is we're trying to build virtue why not just for virtue's sake but to be an antidote to the the difficulties and the garbage we face yeah i i would i would suspect that if you start you know, when they're little enough that eventually the kids get to know that this is what you do at, 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 around a meal. And maybe they even look forward to it. And maybe as they get older, they're the ones that want to read something or bring something. Has that happened? In your well, good point. They, they, they love reading. They love getting engaged. Uh, they, they love that the, our faith is hard hitting. Our faith is not for the yellow belly or weak stomachs. Yes. It, it, you know, they love the hero of the saints. And, but so they get into it. And then the, the, the ones that are tired or older, they, they'll they'll disengage like but but the, the the worst that could happen is they're like dad are you done yet oh, you know, are we yes. like you know take out the violin and say are you done can i go now <laughs> but i can deal with that till they're 18 and then they can decide yes. if they yes. stay or they leave interesting interesting and i and i think that really the, the the main message here is to do it but do it around a meal because that's the target marketing that's the captive audience marketing that, that you're yeah. talking about right and and they're vulnerable and, and and not to be mean but they, they want to eat and food is obviously sustenance mm-hmm. and i always remind them that we're here to um our daily bread is not just bread our daily bread is the word of god mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. I like that. I like that. And I like that it's not just scripture. Scripture is important, but you're also doing from the teaching, from the tradition, the patristics um, or a church document, because most yeah. people don't ever get that. Well, we need variety. And the church offers so many uh, books on the magisterium, but also the, the saints. Very yes. Good. Amen. And you know what? That's a good thing. I think that people have uh, missions that they do during Lent, but then at Easter, nobody. So during that, those six weeks of Easter, something good for people to do is actually to read from the magisterium, from the tradition, from the patristics, from those documents that we don't usually get, get. So find an encyclical and read it. I'm just giving tips to our, our listeners, not necessarily to do it with their kids, but I, I like, uh, I like your idea of doing it around, around a meal. And well, so, I wanted to suggest something that's not just for the Easter feast, but every single day you got to eat yes, breakfast, lunch and yes. dinner. And we, we could always talk about what to do for breakfast, even if it's just a bagel. And yes. you, know, but you have time to eat multiple times during the day. And so might as well make it, it keep it sacred. Yes, good. And I guess the bottom line there, the, the, the fund, 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 fundamental thing is that you got to eat with them, eat together right. as a family, at least as much right. as you can. Yes. As All right, Danny. Great, 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 uh, great tip here to rearing, rearing our rebels. Happy Easter to you and the family, Danny. Thank you. You too, Deacon. Danny Torquia is our public relations expert. He's the managing director of Torquia Communications. You can follow him on Twitter at Dan Torquia, and you can read his blog at dialogueandgrace.com. Coming up in our second half hour, Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley, What's Good in Hollywood with Mark Matthews, and a featured chat with Roma Downey. So stay tuned. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour, Easter edition, part two. I'm Deacon Pedro. Last week, we spoke with Roma Downey. She's best known for playing Monica in the hit TV series, Touched by an Angel. Last week, she spoke to us about the new movie that she produced with her husband, Mark Burnett, Resurrection. But Roma Downey is also the author of a book, Box of Butterflies. And so I asked her about that. Here is that part of our conversation. A few years ago, you authored a book, Box of Butterflies. Yes, box of butterflies. I wanted to ask you about that because I, I think that it's still the same, like it's still part of your that desire that you have yes, to bring people. Absolutely. I mean, that, that message that was in touch by an angel, the simple message of God's love, God loves you and he wants to be part of your life, is embedded really through all of my work. And I wrote mm -hmm. Box of Butterflies. It's kind of a spiritual memoir. I mean, it's a story of my life, but it's not a autobiography in that it's a blow by blow account. It's really, it's, it's, it presents the challenging moments of my life and how even at times if I thought I was alone, that I wasn't alone, that mm -hmm. God was with me, how God just has continually shown up in my life. And, um, and it's really written as a, as a love letter to God, you know, of how, of how grateful I am for, right. you know, what, for the blessings. What's the and the butterfly really was just, my mother had died when I was a child. And, and when my father took me up to her graveside, a little butterfly flew by and he said, you know, that could think of that as your mother's spirit. And, you know, she'll always be with you. And, you know, in these moments in my life, uh, you know, when I'm needed it the most, 
a little symbol of a butterfly has shown up and not just because I live in Southern California and there are clearly <laughs> butterflies and flowers, but, you know, on the side of a, of a, of a van, you know, or a piece of jewelry right. or a tattoo on somebody's wrist, you know, and they're just little symbols, really just symbols of my mom and of spirit yeah, and of God, you know, the presence of God. And, you know, I like the idea that if, if your life was like the box and it was just filled with butterflies, filled with blessings. Right. And so I wrote the book really to be a blessing to someone else. And I think it speaks in particular to grief and loss. I've, I've, okay. I've had a lot of loss in my life and, mm -hmm. and I've had so many letters from people saying how grateful they are because it really has helped um, them manage loss in their lives, you yeah, know, so. Yeah. Yeah. You, um, yeah. Uh, our listeners can't see you, but you are wearing a butterfly necklace. Um, I am. I am. I'm like the butterfly queen. And of course, every, all my girlfriends, you know, every birthday comes around and I get in. You, you butterflies. And my um, husband is going, please tell everybody you have enough butterflies <laughs> now. <laughs> and of course, I was going to say, and I don't know if how cheesy this is, but there's the, uh, the connection between butterflies and resurrection. Yes, right? that's right. Absolutely. And that coming out of the, coming you know, the complete the change, coming out of the tomb, coming out of the caterpillar experience and transforming completely into, you know, a whole other, you know, living, flying, beautiful experience. So yeah. yes, we all connected, right? Yes. Which is, I guess, what, what a lot of us are hoping to do after this pandemic, that we come back, maybe not to what we used to be, but to something better. Yes. That, that resurrection. Thank you, Roma. It's been a great pleasure speaking Thank with you, you today. Happy, you too, happy, you too, happy Easter to you too. Bye-bye. That was part of a conversation I had with Roma Downey last week. To listen to the full interview, visit our website, slmedia.org slash podcast. Roma Downey is an actress, producer, and author. You can purchase her book, Box of Butterflies, at boxofbutterflies.com or anywhere you get your books. Here now is Luke Spihar with Rising from his album, Solace.
Like oceans head for lows For all who are thirsty For all our sorrows And I believe we'll rise higher With hearts made alone And that your heart is on fire When it's dark I believe in your love I believe in your love And that you heal all the fall And with you rising That was Luke Spihar with Rising from his album Solace. You're listening to our special Easter edition of the Sultanite Hour. Coming up is Sister Marie Paul Curley with Windows to the Soul to some Academy Award contenders. But first, now it's time for What's Good in Hollywood with our Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews. Hello, Pedro. Happy Easter, I suppose. Happy Easter to you too. Always, always a pleasure to be here. So you, um, you're giving us an artsy segment today. It's, it's going to be very artsy. So artsy. So, yeah. It's even the way you say that. You know, it's kind of like, oh, we tend to downplay the arts. <laughs> you know, and you know, you could ask anyone. Well, what what would you say if your child said they wanted to become an artist? Oh. You know, most parents are like, uh, think of something else. Yes. But if we listen to Pope John Paul II in his letter to art, he says a couple of very interesting things. He says that society needs artists just as it needs scientists, teachers, workers, professional people, etc. He essentially puts them on the same level. And not only that, but he goes on to say that in order to communicate the message entrusted to her by Christ, the church needs art. Mm-hmm. And, you know, take take a moment to let that sink in. Here's the Holy Father saying that we need art to communicate salvation to the world. Mm-hmm. That's, that's pretty immense. And I think that should give us a, a great respect for the arts in general. Um, and we see this 
in the in the tradition of the church, the church has long known that we have to engage all the senses to communicate the story of our salvation. And think of the Easter vigil, the church's high feast of the year. It's a spectacle of sight and sound. You know, the lights are out in the beginning and we've got a fire burning outside the church. You know, you smell the fire and there's incense. And then at the moment of, you know, the resurrection, we ring the bell. And it, it's sort of so powerful. And a lot of people say it's one of their favorite liturgy of the year. And I think it's because it sort of engages us in such a deep emotional way. Yeah. And so if we think about the more classical arts, think of painting or oil painting, you know, the church has long, you know, engaged the arts. And this is why we see, you know, the passion of Christ, you know, depicted in paintings. And, and it, I don't mean the passion of the Christ, the movie. The movie, yes. Yeah, but I th the, we should be doing that. We need to be doing more of the passion of the Christ, the movie. You know, the church needs to be in film, just like we were in painting. So we mm -hmm. need hundred movies of the passion of the Christ if we're going to follow the pattern set in paintings already. And uh, it's really interesting to see because a lot of my friends in Hollywood are very perceptive to the movements of artistry. They're, they're artists themselves. And so I've heard a lot of stories of conversions happening through seeing beautiful Christian art. And so my suggestion this Easter is why not take in some good Christian art? Huh. Um, engage our senses, you know, like the way we know the church wants us to. And uh, there's lots of different ways you can do this. Um, first is through movies, of course, you know, right. which is, you know, my bias where I'm from, Hollywood. Yeah, of course. Um, so, you know, rewatch The Passion of the Christ. Uh, Franco Zeffirelli's Jesus of Nazareth from the 70s is also great. Um, and I also just watched Terrence Malick's A Hidden Life about the life of blessed Franz Jagerstetter. Yes, great film. And, yeah, fantastic. It's sort of slow contemplative, but it's a really striking reliving of Christ's passion, sort of, but, you know, through Franz Jägerstetter's life. Mm -hmm. um, so you, you can do that. Um, check in your area. Some museums are reopening. If you don't have access to that, the Vatican Museum has online tours. Yes, yes they've got full VR 360 panoramas, which, which are fantastic. So, uh, and you can, uh, you can even find books from your local library or close to me is Forest Cemetery in Los Angeles. And it has the most beautiful marble statues um, that it, they, they, anyway, they're beautiful recreations of Michelangelo's works of art and, you know, right. Pieta and all those kinds of things. So, so you never know the, where you're going to find beautiful, beautiful art. Forest Lawn Cemetery, you said in, in Los Angeles? Forest Lawn Cemetery in, in Glendale, California, in the LA area. Beautiful. So for any of our listeners down there. Go check it out. Yeah, and uh, if you if our listeners today also want something to keep in their prayers, um, Mel Gibson is still trying to do a sequel to The Passion of the Christ. It's under the working title, The Passion of the Christ Resurrection, out supposedly in 2022. Um, and I think it's kind of funny because they say that when a movie you know is sort of constantly <laughs> being in production, it's called <laughs> development hell. Yes. So it just seems very appropriate that that's kind of where it is. So we need Christ to come out of <laughs> development hell and be resurrected in, in sequel to it. So, yeah. so keep that in your prayers. So yeah, development or pre-production hell. Um, yeah. The Passion of the Christ Resurrection. I had heard rumors about that, so I'm glad that you brought it up. Uh, and of course, last week we had Roma Downey here telling us about the new film Resurrection, which is that she produced with her husband, Mark Burnett. So if anybody mm -hmm. hasn't watched that, they can Check watch it. Out. Yeah. It's on uh, 
on Discovery Plus, I believe, the uh, resurrection. But as you said, there's lots of films, lots of art, lots of opportunities to to find. Uh, and in places where we probably have seen him millions of times, and we don't, we we just don't notice them anymore because they've become yeah. part of our culture. Yeah, we we, should, we need to notice them, and that uh, I love that art. They're so easy to overlook. Art Look elevates us, and that the message. In order to communicate the message entrusted to the church by Christ, the church needs art. That's the key message here, Mark. Thank you so much. Great Easter, uh, little Easter Easter, Easter activity for people to do. Do you know we all do? Uh, I was telling Danny Torquia earlier. We do, you know, all these things for Lent, and then nobody does anything for the Easter season. So now we've got uh, mm. six weeks of Easter. Oh, yeah. where you can actually do something extra for Easter. Absolutely. So, Get so, out and check out some beautiful art, some beautiful art. There you go. And you don't have to be in Hollywood to do that. So thank you. Happy Easter, Mark. God bless. What's good in Hollywood with Mark Matthews, our undercover Hollywood missionary. You can follow him at H U missionary. Hi, I'm Julian Cantor and you're listening to the Sultan light hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour Easter edition. Subscribe to our show anywhere you get your podcasts, and you can take the Salt and Light Hour with you wherever you go. Now it's time for Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. Sister, welcome back. Happy Easter. Thank you. A blessed Easter to you and all our listeners. This is a lovely... Oh, when my favorite liturgical season. It is. Yes, the height. So we got some films but not films about easter um not exactly what i wanted to do was i wanted since the oscars are late this year i thought mm -hmm. it would be great to discuss some of the oscar nominated films before they're actually win their prizes and we have the opportunity because of our scheduling to do that right and surprisingly three out of the five nominated films for best animated feature deal with the theme of death and eternity and I thought in light of the resurrection, it kind of fits yeah. because Jesus died and rose for us so that we could be with God in eternity in heaven. So Deacon Pedro, I'm going to ask you a tough question. What is your image of heaven? Oh, wow. That's <laughs> you can share question. that with us. Yeah, I probably don't. Yeah, I, I don't know if I have one. But as soon as you said that, I thought of, since we're talking about films, I thought of that. What's that film with Robin Williams? Um, what dreams may come that, right. that it is about the afterlife and it's not the way I imagined heaven. I mean, it's some sort of technicolor, weird animated film, but I also thought of another one just now. Coke. Is it Coco? The, the film yes. that deals with the Mexican uh, day of the dead. Yes. It also has a whole crazy idea of what heaven or the afterlife is. Um, again, not what I imagined, but I don't know if I know what I imagined. Does anybody? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, the God, the Bible gives us images to talk about heaven because it's so, mm -hmm. it's definitely beyond description. Okay. I want to just quote that. I don't usually do this, but I'd like to quote the catechism of the Catholic church when it's talking about heaven as our ultimate, the reason okay. for which God created us. And this is the church calls this contemplation of God in his heavenly glory, the beatific vision. And it says this, it's a quote, how great will your glory and happiness be to be allowed to see God, to be honored with sharing the joy of salvation and eternal light with Christ, hmm. your Lord and your God, to delight 
in the joy of immortality in the kingdom of heaven with the righteous and with God's friends. I mean, this is, this is a reality that's beyond words. It's like yes. so incredible. And so I find it fascinating that in films for children, animated films for children and families, that we have three films this year that were made that specifically focus on this theme of death and eternity. Mm -hmm. So the, the three that I'm going to focus on for the animated features are Onward, Over the Moon, and Soul. So Onward is a Pixar film that came out oh, sometime last year. Mm -hmm. um, it's an urban fantasy, uh, the story of two teenage elf brothers who have a magical opportunity to spend one day with their father who died years ago to the point that the youngest brother doesn't even remember his father. Right. Um, but they both miss him. The film is more about brotherhood and self-sacrifice. So even though it's talking about being reunited with a loved one for one day, it doesn't really focus on death and eternity in the same way as the other two films. However, the fact that that's kind of the motivation to get the film started is, is notable. Mm -hmm. um, and it does, uh, you know, affirm the reality of an afterlife, which I think is helpful mm -hmm. in any film. So onward, is something to think about, but it's basically an urban fantasy um, and it's a lot of fun. So right. it, okay. it's okay. Over the Moon is the story of a young girl in China named Fei Fei, who has very loving parents who share with her when she's young, the story, the, the traditional legend of the Chinese moon goddess, whose name I'm not gonna quite pronounce because <laughs> um, my pronunciation of Chinese is very poor, but this moon goddess lives on the moon forever longing for her true love who di who dies because he's human, but she has become immortal. And the film really focuses on grief. The, the grief of a child, she's about, I think, 10 or 12 years old when she goes on this journey to see the moon goddess, to mm -hmm. prove that she's real so that she can, you know, resolve grief and get her father to um, remember her mother better. And, uh, but, it's very, it's such an odd idea of the afterlife for someone who's grown up in a Christian perspective. Right. Now, from what I've read, it does reflect well the legend of the moon goddess, but there's no sense of an overarching purpose in life, of a loving, provident God. The moon goddess is wonderful, terrible, human, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, good, bad. She's everything human uh, by the time the film ends. And so this idea of the afterlife is very confused. Okay. Uh, and even visually, I found it primary colored and not very detailed graphics. Okay. On the other hand, the story is really, it's really interesting and it's mm -hmm. well done, but I think it's good for parents to know that uh, it's such a non-Christian perspective right. Right. Um, that it's raising. And that might be something to discuss with your kids if you're watching it as a family. Soul. Mm -hmm is the third film. It's also, oh, so Over the Moon is on Netflix. Soul is a Pixar you know, Disney film. And it's the story of a middle-aged black jazz musician who seems to have been unsuccessful in everything in life until he actually gets the offer for the first time of a full-time job as a middle school band teacher. Hmm. And he gets an offer to perform with a very famous musician um, so like the opportunity of a lifetime for a music gig for a musician, mm -hmm. which you can pay Joe, you probably appreciate a little bit. Yes. And so, uh, so 
it's got the oddest perspective on the afterlife that I've ever seen in film. Um, it's unapologetically non-Christian. I think they tried to make it generic so that, quote, everybody could identify with it. But in the end, it's a little bit platonic. We've got these like ideals that are kind of vague that mm-hmm. human beings come to incarnate when they go to earth. But for the most part, you know, it's rooted in jazz music. And you would think with the history of Christianity in, um, you know, Black American history that there would have been some kind of Christian resonance here, but there really isn't. So it makes a good point to live with eternity in mind, um, to live not just intentionally, but to relish every moment of our lives because they're such a gift. But in terms of looking at the afterlife, it's, it's very empty. There's no purpose. There's no sense of a loving, provident God, you know? And so I just, it's fascinating. We're talking about eternal life with Easter and we have these films that raise the ideas of the afterlife, but don't really express them in a way that's consonant with our faith. Right. So I, I, I thought that was just a good, it's kind of interesting that it is pointing to these things. Yeah, it is. And it's a good point. I'd say that, that our belief that is that eternal life is not just life forever. It's life in heaven with God. And that's what makes a distinction, I think. But it might be interesting. You certainly made me uh, want to go and watch these films and, uh, and keep in mind what we believe. And it's okay to appreciate some other ideas. Um, so thank you. Happy Easter. Happy Easter to you and everyone. There you go. Onward, Over the Moon, and Soul, three of the uh, an, uh, Best Picture nominations f- for uh, animated features. Uh, thank you, Sister Marie Paul Curley. She's with the Congregation of the Daughters of St. Paul, and you can read her blog at windows2thesoul.wordpress.com and follow her on Twitter at Sister M. Paul. Here now to take us out is Taylor Tripodi with We Are Alive from her album Awakening, and singing with Taylor on this track is PJ Anderson. Listening to Taylor Tripodi with We Are Alive from her album Awakening and singing with Taylor there is PJ Anderson. Remember that you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs at our website, slmedia.org slash podcast. All our programs, more than 400 of them are there, available for you to listen for free. The Salt and Light Hour is a ministry of Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation. Our mission is your hope. That's what we do. We bring a message of hope to help people connect or reconnect with their Catholic faith. We hope that we're doing that for you. You can learn all about Salt and Light and all that we do at slmedia.org. Please visit our website and see how you can support what we do. 
Today I was joined by our contributors, Billy Chan, Jillian Cantor, Danny Torquia, Mark Matthews, and Sister Marie Paul Curley. The CEO of Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation is Father Alan Fogarty, and I am Deacon Pedro. We pray that this Easter season brings you healing, light, and all the graces that you need. Please pray for us, pray for each other, and continue taking care of each other. Thank you for listening to the Salt and Light Hour. Happy Easter. Thank you.